Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the word today that the entrance of your word gives light, gives understanding unto the simple, that we receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save, to heal, to deliver, to restore our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Our lives are changed by the engrafted word that we'll not be hearers only, but we'll be doers. We'll act on the word of God. Enjoy the blessing of the Lord. Lord, we thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven, unchanging, that you sent your word and it healed them. And we receive the word of God, not like a man's talking to us, but like God's talking to us. And that word has healing power healing our bodies and healing and restoring our lives and delivering power. And you deliver us from every destructive plan or strategy of the enemy. That your word is a living thing. It's full of life and power. That your word works mightily and effectually in us who believe. We thank you, Lord, for your word working in us today. And we trust the Holy Spirit who's our helper, our teacher, our strengthener, our standby, our intercessor, the greater one, the spirit of truth to lead us and guide us into all truth, that we trust the Holy Spirit to think through our mind. He has power over our intellect and power over our voice and to speak through our lips and to magnify Jesus in a way that we never could without his help. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit working in us today. We boldly confess that it is God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure through the blood of the everlasting covenant that you make us perfect in every good work to do your will while you equip us with everything we need to fully uh, finish what you've called us to do, that everything we need, we are thoroughly furnished we thank you, Lord, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, that that blood has cleansing power, redeeming power, healing power in the blood, the blood of Jesus, that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our confession and the word of our testimony, that we mix our confession with the blood of Jesus and every strategy of Satan is broken in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for the the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit working in us today. And we declare we are confident of this very thing. The good work which you have begun in us, you will bring to full completion until the day of Jesus Christ. We are confident. We are confident of this thing that you will bring it to pass. We boldly declare according to your word that you perform the things that are appointed for us. You perform what's appointed for us, that you complete in detail the divine appointments that you have for our lives. Every person in here, that our steps are ordered by the Lord, that you open doors that no man can shut, and you make a way where there seems to be no way, that you are Jehovah, the Lord, our provider. Thank you, Lord, that we do not lack, that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. We do not lack for ability. We do not 
not lack for opportunity. We never lack for money. We never lack for money. We are tithers and we are givers. We sow generously. We reap generously. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to us in abundance so that we have more than enough and well able to be a blessing to our generation. We thank you, Lord, that the money will come, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that land and property and buildings come into our hands and that money comes into our hands. The earth is the Lord. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. So Satan, we command you to take your hands off of our money, off of our land, off of our jobs and businesses and homes and transportation. We declare those things come into our hands that we are well able to possess the land, that the money will come, the land will come, the buildings will come into our hands and we call them paid for in Jesus' name that the money comes. Right now that money's moving, money's shaking and strongholds are breaking right now and angels are going and causing the money to come that we refuse to worry or fret one second about money because the Lord takes care of us in grand style, that we refuse to worry at all about about money. We have more than enough that we're blessed coming in and blessed going out. We're the head and not the tail above and not beneath that our checking account is blessed. Our savings account is blessed and we are a blessing around the world. We thank you, Lord, that we do not lack. We do not lack for money. We never lack for money. We never lack for money that you open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. We don't even have room enough to receive it right now. That money is coming in right now in the name of Jesus right now in Jesus name. And we thank you, Lord, that you take care of us in grand style. You always take care of us in grand style that we drive the best, wear the best, eat the best, live in the best, and we give the best. We are blessed with the best. Our father, God takes care of us in grand style. We, he never fails to plan the best things for his children. Oh, thank you, Lord. We receive your goodness. We receive your mercy. We thank you, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Glory to God. Lift your hands up and lift your voice. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, just keep praising him just for a few minutes. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Now go ahead and laugh about it. Ha ha ha. Go ahead and laugh a few minutes. Say ha ha ha. The devil says, what you laughing about? Come on, say, you're not going to get it. You say, that's why I'm laughing. I don't have to get it. Jesus got it for me 2,000 years ago. Ha, ha, ha. And I believe I receive it right now. Praise the Lord. Do we have any believers in here? Do you believe? Anybody believe you receive? That's, I'd like to get somebody that believes they receive rather than just believing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you want to. Praise God. Great to be here at Raymond and see all of you. Some of you haven't seen you in a little while. Praise the Lord. Glad to see you again. And uh, 
uh, be here, of course, with uh, the church here and Pastor Tony and Patsy and Tony's gone home to be uh, with his family during this time. And uh, so uh, I don't know, you know, they, they say, you know, when the, what they say, when the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> I always think it's funny because uh, Pastor Mac Hammond's a good friend of ours, and, and he went on vacation one time for a month, and when he got back to this church, his church was in a full-blown revival. He was like, I didn't know how to take that. He said, I was gone, and, uh, and I had a great revival while I was gone. He said, I'm not sure how to take that. How many know that God can have some big things happen in our lives? Amen in some unusual ways. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and have a good time and believe Pastor Tony's going to have a good time too. Amen. All right. Now let's see what we're going to do. We're going to start 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. And um, you probably know this verse well. It says the fight. Starts with the word fight. Fight. Everybody say fight. Well, that pretty much means if you don't like to fight, you're probably not going to enjoy Christianity. I said, if you don't like to fight, you're not going to enjoy Christianity because he starts off with fight. Everybody say, it's going to be a fight. Well, I'm a middle child, so I got an older brother and a younger brother, so every day there's going to be a fight. Amen. So you learn several ways so you can survive and uh, figure out, get you some equalizers. You know, you know what an equalizer is? Yeah, well, I told my older brother, yeah, you, you might be stronger than me right now, but you better not go to sleep because I'll bust your head with a two by four while you're asleep. So uh, that's just survival stuff right there. <laughs> so you learn how to fight. In other words, he says, fight the good fight of faith. So really you're not in a people fight, but you are in a real fight. You're in a fight. I said, you're in a fight. He calls it a good fight. He calls it a faith fight, but it's still a fight. Well, it's a different kind of fight. Here he says, fight the good fight of faith. And if you'll study the life of the Apostle Paul who wrote this, you can see that he had some pretty good fights. He's a pretty tough guy. In other words, the spirit of faith cannot be fragile. You cannot be fragile. If you want to fight the good fight of faith, you've got to be prepared and ready to fight. Amen. Amen. Because uh, the devil's not just going to lay down and roll over when you decide you're going to start a church or serve the Lord or do the will of God. Come on, he will try to resist you. Even the apostle Paul said, Satan hindered us. But, well, he overcame that situation, but you can count on opposition. I said you can count on some opposition. So he says, now for us to win, he said, we're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. So there is a fight to faith. And then he says, lay hold on eternal life, which is a God kind of life where you have been called and you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So here he says, the fight of faith requires a good profession. Uses that word profession twice. Now he uses the word profession in the King James Version here, but really it's the same identical word as confession. In other words, he said, you're going to have to have a good confession, a good confession if you're going to win the fight of faith, a good confession. And this word for confession here simply means to say the same thing, or the apostle Paul would say, to hold fast to your profession. Hold fast to your profession of faith means that it will be challenged. 
it will be challenged. Someone said it, there's no such thing as unchallenged faith. No such thing as unchallenged faith. So if you're going to fight the good fight of faith, he said, you're going to have to have a good confession, good profession, same thing. I like to use the word confession because that's really the same identical Greek word, but they use the word profession because it includes more than just saying the same thing. It literally means profession, which means you must become a professional at faith. By professional, you know the difference between an amateur and a professional. Y'all know the difference. Well, an amateur needs to go ahead and keep his regular job. You know what I mean? In other words, if you're a professional at golf, that means you can make a living at it. Y'all still with me here? Amen. If you're an amateur, you just practice golf on the weekends. If you're a professional at faith, that means you live by faith every day. If you're an amateur, you just practice it on Sundays. So to become a professional at faith, even if you're going to be a professional, then anybody that's high in that profession, they usually always have a coach or someone that mentors them or helps them become more excellent. Someone that can be objective concerning what they're doing and how to help them win in that situation. A coach. So God always puts people in our lives at the right time to speak a word to us in due season. Amen. That if we'll just make just a couple of little adjustments, then we can go forward and go faster. Thank God for the coaches he puts in our lives. And uh, we would call them apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Amen. To receive instruction. Amen. So uh, the apostle Paul here had some pretty good fights, if you'll study it, to fulfill the will of God. So he says, fight the good fight. You have to have a good profession. Means you've got to become a professional at faith. That means it becomes your lifestyle. You live by faith. And that means no matter what else you do in life, you are a professional at faith. You're a professional. <laughs> so the word confession means to say the same thing. Uses the word profession. And that means if... Uh, you know, if somebody's going to do surgery on your heart, you don't want them to be doing that part-time. You want them to be a professional at it. I'm not even mad if they drive up in a Mercedes because that means they're good at what they do. And if they're going to be operating on your brain, you say, I sure want somebody that's not riding a bicycle to come up here. <laughs> So, you want to be a professional. <laughs> Glory to God. And the things about faith, uh, the things that I learned, I learned from Kenneth E. Hagin or from Dad Hagin before there was a rhema. And uh, I figured out I'm going to have to learn how to live by faith and how to fight the good fight of faith uh, because if I'm going to do the will of God, I like what Smith Wigglesworth said, he said, uh, God designed that the just shall live by faith. God designed that the just shall live by faith. Four times the just shall live by faith. Amen. God designed that. Or you could say it this way, God would not design a plan for your life that did not require faith. I said, God would not design a plan for your life that did not require faith. And if you're going to go from one phase to the next phase of the will of God for your life, you'll have to go from faith to faith. 
uh, some translation says you have to go from an elementary faith to a more advanced faith. Praise the Lord. Now, I love just to study the subject of faith because it's so fascinating to me because we know that that's what pleases God, that without faith, let's try that again, Hebrews chapter 11, without, without faith, it's what? It's not unlikely. You don't have one chance in a million. You have no chance. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Don't you love that? Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, I submit this to you. You cannot please God and not know it. In other words, God is a rewarder. So when your faith matches what God calls faith, there will be a reward. So you cannot please God without knowing that you just did something that pleased God. Whoo, and that's the highest goal of your life is for God just to be thrilled and happy over what you did. Amen. Amen. A time in your life when you refuse to quit, when you refuse to give up. In other words, in the spirit of faith, um, I've got all these quotes because when he says, hold fast to your confession of faith, that means there's going to be times that you feel like turning loose, quitting or giving up. So I wrote some of these things down about uh, perseverance concerning your faith, and I got several quotes here, and uh, some of these are from uh, different secular people. But um, here's some quotes about perseverance in your faith, in the fight of faith. Um, one of my favorites is Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. He has some of the greatest quotes, you know. Winston Churchill, um, uh, a lady that kind of despised him and hated him. You know, the story goes that she told Winston Churchill, I despise you, and if you were my husband, I'd give you poison. And he responded, and if you were my wife, I would drink it. <laughs> so Winston Churchill uh, helped all of England to survive uh, Nazi Germany and pretty rough customer, you know, not so much a politician, but a leader. And uh, Winston Churchill said it this way. He said, if you are going through hell, keep going. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. In other words, persevere. Keep going. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you got to keep moving. Keep moving. Now, when it comes to the, the uh, spirit of faith, um, uh, I was looking at the spirit of faith, mentioned it some Sunday morning, that there's three kinds of people, pioneers, settlers, and museum keepers. Museum keepers dusting off the memories of the past, settlers looking for some place they can just get to their comfort zone. But the spirit of faith is a pioneer spirit, and a pioneer does two things. Number one is they are constantly pressing for new territory. Are literally keep moving keep moving keep pressing for new territory the apostle paul said i'm pressing i keep pressing amen 
for the mark, for the goal, for the prize. I'm pressing for those things that are just ahead. You press in prayer. You press with your confession of faith. You press with your expectation. You press for the will of God for your life. Keep moving. Keep pressing. Amen. Amen. And then a pioneer prepares the way for those who will follow. For those who will follow. David Livingston, a great missionary to, to Africa and down in South Africa, he was on the, uh, the missions uh, where they kept all the houses and stuff and most of the missionaries lived there. And, but David Livingston, he said in his book, he said uh, while he was staying there where all the missionaries stayed in the safety and the confines where they lived there. And he said, but every evening, he said, I saw the smoke of a thousand villages that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he said, I could not stay where all the rest of the missionaries stayed. He said, I went to every one of those villages and went from South Africa to North Africa. Actually, we went to his house in Scotland. And it's an amazing testimony of David Livingston. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, when I'm going out into these places in Africa, he said, um, he is mauled by a lion, all kinds of diseases, uh, almost killed him. And uh, he, they came to get him. Stanley came to get him from America, said, you're famous in America. All you got to do is write a book, come and do your book tour, and uh, you don't have to keep going through these hardships in Africa. He said, the Lord called me to Africa. He said, I'm, I will never leave here. And he said, and when I die, I want them to cut my heart out and bury it in Africa and then ship my body home. That's when your cause is greater than your comfort. That's the spirit of faith. When your purpose is greater than your pleasure. And if it seems like the enemy's making it rough, study the life of the Apostle Paul. Three shipwrecks, snake bit, beaten head, left for dead. And if traffic is bothering you in your air-conditioned car, and you hear a little whine, you ought to slap yourself in the mirror. <laughs> so David Livingston, we went through his house, and uh, when Stanley came to get him, uh, David Livingston said, I'll not, I'll not go back with you. Later on, they found him uh, dead in Africa, and he was kneeling by his cot, the last entry in his diary, the last entry in his diary said, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all, once more I dedicate my whole self to Thee. You understand there's some things you've got to do more than once. Let's go over that again. My Jesus, my King, my life, my all, once more I dedicate my whole self to Thee. Whew, sometimes that happens every day, doesn't it? That, uh, that beyond your comfort zone, and beyond what, what's pleasing just to you, you decide with a spirit of faith to serve the Lord. And it says about David, served his generation according to the will of God. Amen? So learning how to live by faith, come on, you're going to have to get a little bit tougher. Oh, it's real quiet in here. There's nobody running or nothing. I said, you're going to have to get a little bit tougher. Because God wants to take you places you've never been before, use you in ways you've never been used before, and it probably ain't going to make everybody happy. <laughs> Amen. 
Somebody said, if, 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 if you're trying to make everybody happy, you shouldn't be a leader. You should sell ice cream. So, when it comes to the spirit of faith and perseverance, everybody say perseverance. perseverance. You got to keep moving. I said, you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. Let's read another one here. I like this one. This is Calvin Coolidge, president of the United States years ago. He said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. All right, let's try that one more time. I know you're smarter than the average bear. Come on. All of us have areas where we think we're a little smarter. But let's go over this one more time. Are you ready? Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing in the world is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. I was uh, preaching in a prison years ago with thousands of men in the prison, and I saw some of the work of the prisoners, and I talked to the warden, and I said, man, this is amazing. There's some brilliant men in this prison. He said, oh, yeah, we do not have men that have no talent or brilliance. Our men simply have no purpose. In other words, the spirit of faith, your purpose becomes so clear. Your cause becomes so clear that you press. And with the spirit of faith, you know there's going to be a fight. And you are ready for that fight. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody ready for the fight? Or you say, well, I, if, 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 things, if things don't work by Friday, uh, if things don't turn around by next week, if, 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 Brother Hagin said the Lord told him, if is the badge of doubt, and that's why your faith don't work is because of your if. Y'all still here? Come on, he prayed for that guy, and he said, see if you can bend over. The guy couldn't bend over. So he said, uh, he told Jesus. Jesus said, well, why didn't you do what I said? He said, I did what you said, but it didn't work. How many ever told the Lord you did something he said and it didn't work? Thank you for your enthusiasm. How many ever told the Lord, said, I did what you said, that did not work? Right? And so he prayed for that guy, and the guy didn't bend over. And he said, well, well, Lord, I did what you said. And Jesus said, yeah, but I said it would. He said, but I did what you said, and it did not work. And he said, and first time he saw Jesus with eyes like fire, and he was angry. And Jesus said with a loud voice, but I said it would. And he disappeared. He went, ooh. So he went back to that man and he realized what he had done. And he said he had prayed for him and said, now see if you can bend over. He said when he removed the if, and he said, now bend over in the name of Jesus. And the guy was healed just like that. How many would like to get the if out of your faith? Let's try that again. I said, how many like to get the if out of your faith? Come on. Praise the Lord. 
with the spirit of faith, there has to be such a, a commitment to the will of God and to the Word of God. I love what uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth said about Elisha, that Elisha's perseverance with Elijah, and Elijah kept telling him, why don't you quit? I mean, his leadership style is totally different than most people's leadership style. I mean, most leadership styles, you're encouraging people all the time, come on, you can make it, you can make it. Elijah's leadership style was, why don't you just quit? <laughs> Interesting leadership style, you know. Elijah said, I will not quit. <laughs> he kept following him. He stopped him again. Well, it's a good place for you to quit right here. I had a guy that was, was serving under me. He wanted me to train him. He pastors a great church now, but this is probably 30 years ago. And he was wanting me to train him. I said, do you want me to train him? I kind of have patent leadership style. Patent in World War II. So I said, I'm going to train you. <laughs> and so he came up to the church one day and he is frustrated. And he, he handed in his manual that we were studying on leadership. He handed it to me and he said, uh, he said I'm tired and frustrated and I'm quitting. He handed me the book. And he had been in the military, he's a big strong guy, had a, had a hot rod car, you know. So he handed in his book. He, I said, well, that's good, because if you can quit, now's a good time to quit, because I don't want you around later if things get rough and you quit when things get rough. So you quit, now's a good time for you to quit. And if you can quit, now's a good time to quit, so quit. <laughs> Boy, he looked at me like that. I took his book, and he had that hot rod car. He went, Rrr! boy, he burned out across the church parking lot. Rrr! Went down the street. <laughs> About two or three minutes later, Rrr! I heard him spin around. Rrr! And he came right back to the church parking lot. He said, give me my book back. <laughs> Anybody know what he did? He went ahead and finished the course. I said he finished the course, and now he pastors a great church. Well, if you can quit, now's a good time for you to quit. Go ahead and quit. Well, my daddy taught me, he said, well, your greatest ability is your stickability. He said, because if you can quit here, you'll quit on this and quit on that, and you'll end up quitting every job, and you'll end up quitting on your marriage, and you'll end up quitting on your church, and then you'll quit on everything else. He said, I'm not raising a quitter. I'm raising a fighter. So you find out what you got on the inside of you. We talk a lot about faith, but when the test of faith comes, you find out just how much you know about faith. Well, my grandchildren, because I have a swimming pool in the backyard of our house, and so my grandkids, they love to swim, so I give all of them swimming lessons and pay for their swimming lessons, um, uh, but I watch them to see if they can swim. We have a fence around it, and so one of my grandsons, Gavin, um, oh, he was probably three or four years old at that time. I wanted to make sure he could swim, so um, swimming lessons and we happened to be out by the pool one afternoon, me and Gavin, he's standing right here, the diving boards were at the deep end of the pool, and then his dad's standing next to me, my son-in-law, and he's bragging on Gavin. Well, I do like to encourage people, you know, and he's saying, oh, Gavin, he can really swim. That Gavin, he can swim. He, they call me Poppy. He said, oh, Poppy, that Gavin, he can swim. I said, is that right, Gavin? He said, yeah, Poppy, I can swim. 
His daddy said, he's an amazing swimmer. I said, is that right? Oh, yeah, he's an amazing swimmer. Well, I had my suspicions because I knew he was swimming in the shallow end. You know, the shallow end, that's where your feet can touch the bottom. So I knew he did good in the shallow end. Oh, it's a lot easier to swim in the shallow end. So when he said, oh, he can swim, then I just grabbed little Gavin, you know, four years old, and I just threw him right in the deep end of the pool. When I threw him in the deep end of the pool, his daddy kind of looked at me like, And uh, Gavin went down, 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 bubbles coming up, and he was making swimming motions. <laughs> he was making swimming motions, but he was still sinking. So I looked at his daddy, I said, if I was you, I would jump in there and save him. So he jumped in, pulled him out, and I said, now, I told you he couldn't swim. Now take him back to lessons, and there'll be another test. <laughs> you say, that's mean. No, it's mean to think somebody can swim, and they can't. Because I wouldn't always be around. So I wanted to make sure he could swim. How do you know that sometimes God will have you take swimming lessons? Again, when you think everybody's impressed with how well you're doing. And yet when you hit the deep water, we can tell you're making faith motions, but you're still sinking. And you see them all the time, they're going, praise the Lord, I'm, I'm, I, how come I'm sinking? Listen. You're going to have to go back to some faith lessons. <laughs> and it's very humbling to go back over the same information that you did. Again, in saying, Lord, um, where's the adjustment that I need to make so that I can actually survive and do what you called me to do? How many know that God is so patient, he'll just work with you and work with you and work with you. And when you hit that situation next time, you won't sink, you'll swim. Amen. So it requires some persistence. Amen. Some perseverance. <laughs> I can remember listening to Brother Hagin uh, since I was a kid, but I started paying attention when I was 17. And so after I paid, started paying attention to him, I became very diligent studying and listening to Dad Hagen's teaching on faith. And boy, I was just diligent, man. I'm, I'm with, at it all the time. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, I'm getting some marvelous results, you know, from listening to Dad Hagen studying. Man, I thought, well, if I can learn what he knows about it. So boy, I'm just studying 21, 22. And so I went to hear him at a church and, uh, when I went to hear him, you know, Dad Hagen did so much repetition. So he would get up and he would teach on the subject and, and uh, he's going over the same subject. <laughs> and so I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. You got, you got that. That's a good point. Good point. You got a good point. How many of you are guilty of uh, like scoring the speaker rather than listening to what the speaker's saying? You're like, well, that was about an eight. Eight. <laughs> 
Well, you're not going to receive from God if you're busy scoring and you're seeing how good the speaker's doing rather than listening to the word. So I was listening there saying, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I kind of looked around. And I thought, I sure hope all these other people are listening to this because this will be really good for them. <laughs> Nobody ever done that. I'm like, this is really good. I see, some, I see somebody right here could need that right now. <laughs> so while, while I was sitting there, you may know the Lord knows what you're thinking. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said, the Lord knows what you're thinking. Jesus used to answer people's thinking just while they were sitting there, and they're like. So he knows what you're thinking, so he knew what I was thinking. And so he began to correct me right there in, in front. I'm sitting there, and he's correcting me. And he said, now, you know those things he's teaching. Uh, I said, yeah, I know them. He said, but you don't know them near as good as you think you do. He said, now, if you'll quit acting like everybody else needs this, and if you'll pay attention to the same information, I'm going to give you some revelation and show you things about faith you've never seen before. Boy, immediately I just started repenting just like that. I said, Lord, I repent. I'm so sorry. No one as ignorant as I am should die at this early age. Lord, I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm asking you, I'm asking you, Lord, I humble myself. I don't care if it's the same scripture a thousand times. I'm like, let's hear it. Faith comes that way. There's the perseverance with that same thing. And so when it came to, to faith and I listened to Brother Hagin, the teaching came over and the Lord showed me just a couple of adjustments. Woo, praise the Lord. How many believe you could make just a couple adjustments in your faith and it would take you right into the will of God, the blessing of God further than you've been before? Do we, do we have any pioneers in here? Anybody like to say, come on, I believe this next year we can go some places we've never been, receive things we've never had before. In other words, with that spirit of faith, that, that perseverance. I said that perseverance. So Smith Wigglesworth said it this way about Elisha. We're back to Elisha. Elijah was a pretty tough leader, wasn't he? How'd you like to work for him? Or how'd you like to work under the Apostle Paul? I mean, you're complaining. I mean, you wouldn't get away with complaining, not, not a bit. Work under the Apostle Paul. Woo! Well, if you're going to serve under Elijah, well, Elisha's doing that, and he stuck with it, didn't he? Man, he stuck with us. If you see me when I go up, even the school of the prophets told him, you're wasting your time. The school of the prophets, that's the people that are studying. But it's going to take more than studying to get the anointing. You have to serve to get the anointing. And Elisha served the ministry. Boy, when Elijah went up, mantle came down. Elisha got that mantle. Smith, Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't believe he felt any different after he got that a mantle. He said, I don't believe he felt any different. When he got that mantle, he had asked for a double portion, and Elijah said, if you see me, let's try this again. Are y'all with me here? You know what Elijah told him? You have asked a hard thing. 
In other words, the requirements for what you're expecting and you're wanting are going to be higher than just somebody casually wanting to serve the Lord. He said, you've asked a hard thing. You want a double portion? You've asked a hard thing. But if you'll meet the requirements, if you'll stick with it, everybody say stick with it. He said, you see me when I go up. In other words, there's going to be all kinds of places where offense can separate you from the plan of God for your life. When you choose not to be offended. You know, I never was really offended by Dad Hagen too much. I mean, you know, he was a little rough every now and then. <laughs> but some of the other people around him ticked me off quite a bit. I'm like, what a jerk. You know, what a nut. <laughs> Nobody ever had that, right? And so the Lord said, well, are you going to let that nut keep you from following where you're supposed to be and in your place? Come on, that's the best place for you to be is to serve in your place. I said, no, sir, I'm going to be right where you told me to be, no matter how many nuts are around. Amen. And so you've asked a hard thing to persevere and to press on in, to stick with it. When that mantle came down, what happened? Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't believe he felt any different. But when he took that mantle and he went and hit the waters, where is the Lord God of Elijah? The waters parted. He walked across. The school of the prophets said, he's got the same anointing. But he didn't feel any different. Here's the way Wigglesworth said it. He said, a man or a woman can have a gift from God and never know it until they act in faith. In other words, there's anointings and gifts in your life that you'll never see in manifestation until you act in faith. The simplest definition of faith is to act on the Word of God. Act on the Word. That confession of faith, I believe I receive the anointing to stand in the office or offices God's called me to stand in and to rise to the fullest potential of that office or offices. In other words, that act of faith to serve in that place, then the anointing comes upon you the moment you act in faith. Or Wigglesworth said, faith is an act. Now, I took psychology in college. I went to college four years before there was a rhema. So after I graduated from college, I didn't attend rhema. The Lord directed me to go somewhere else. I did get an honorary degree from rhema. But anyway, so I went to college for four years. Well, you got to take certain classes, you know, if you're going to graduate. So we had to take a psychology class. Well, in our psychology class, uh, man, there was like one person that had an A, two people had a B, and the rest had C's and D's and F's. Well, I was in second place in the class, not because I was smarter, but because the tests were multiple choice, and I'm very extremely lucky. So, uh, in the psychology class, <laughs> pray in the spirit, A. All right, so now, in psychology class, here's what they said about studying human behavior in the psychology class. Y'all still with me? Studying human behavior, why people act the way they act. And here's what they said about human behavior. They said, reasoning cannot change an emotion because emotions are more powerful than reasoning. 
In other words, when people are feeling a certain way with all kinds of emotions, you can reason with them, but it will not change that emotion because emotions are more powerful than reasoning. So it said reasoning will not change an emotion, but action will because action is more powerful than emotion. In other words, you can't feel your way into better behavior, but you can act your way into better feeling. In other words, there's something stronger than just your feelings. That means the moment you act on the Word of God, then that act of faith is stronger than anything else going on in your life. The moment you act, on the word. I love Hebrews chapter 11 where it says by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. 20 times it says by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. 20 times by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. <laughs> so I said, Lord, help me. Help me understand this faith stuff. Because apparently it's going to be required. To do the will of God, by faith, by faith. And so if you'll study one translation, I, I forget what translation it is, but instead of by faith, it says by an act of faith, 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 by an act of faith. What is an act of faith? An act of faith is not just any act. It's an act based on revelation knowledge of the Word of God. In other words, the simplest definition of faith is to act like the Bible is true. Or how would you act? If you believe you receive. In other words, that act of faith whoo, sets things in motion concerning the will of God. Simply that faith is an act. The moment you act on the word of God, praise the Lord. That means get the word out. So it's not just any act, it's an act on the word. So the moment you get the word out and do what? How would you act? And the moment you start acting on that word, <laughs> let's say it this way. The moment you act on the word of God, God makes himself responsible for your results. Until you act on the word, you are responsible for your results. But the moment you act on the word of God, God watches his word to perform it. And the moment you act on the word, God says, I'll move heaven and earth to bring that thing to pass for that person right there. Amen. I like to see faith kind of like, like, like an air traffic control. Air traffic control. <laughs> and it says, when Jesus saw their faith. So I like to see God like in the realm of the spirit. And when somebody's acting in faith, he sees the movement of their faith, the trajectory of that faith. So it's like a radar screen. Somebody starts moving in faith, and you can see that. Like you can see that on, a, on a aviation, on our jet, you can see the, the movement of what's going on around you through the radar. So the moment you act in faith, whoop, they're up. But sometimes in the middle between starting off in faith and then getting to the middle of it, then you disappear from the radar screen. And so God says, well, we're going to have to send out a search party to find them. 
Search party goes out, finds them, and there you are, crashed somewhere. And God says, okay, let's clean them up, get them out, and let's get the, a little black box and see what's the last thing they said before they went down. So they get the recording out and you're saying, I just can't take this no more. <laughs> uh, I just can't take it no more. This is too hard. I don't think I'm qualified. I'm too tired. People ain't treating me right. The mercy of God is he'll clean you up, erase the little black box. Come on, put your plane back together. Send you to a conference. Come on, teach you how to swim again. Come on, then he'll get you back up in the air and you're like, all right, here we go, yeah, here we go. Thank God for his mercy. I said, thank God for his mercy. I mean, thank God for his mercy. I mean, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Come on, he'll pick you back up. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. Come on, he's planning on you going all the way through. Come on, not halfway in sync. Come on, he said, let's go to the other side. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and laugh just for a minute. Say, ha, ha, ha. All right, let me finish reading this, then I'll let you go to lunch. I see some of you have that hungry look on your face. Praise the Lord. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Where's that scripture in? Is that in Luke? We were talking the other day that it said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What's he looking for? Faith. When he comes, what's he looking for? Faith. And that's Luke 18, 8, I think. Did you know? Really, in the context of that, you know what he's talking about when he said when he comes, he'll find faith? You know what he's talking about there? He's really talking about persistence. In other words, somebody that just refuses to quit, refuses to give up. Do we have any persistence in here? Come on, anybody here with a spirit of faith? Come on, people say, well, I'd have faith as long as things work out by Friday. No, no, you're going to have to stick with it. Imagine the spirit of faith, even when Brother Hagin prayed in the Holy Ghost for five hours and 45 minutes. Some people don't have enough persistence to even pray in the Holy Ghost for a whole hour. He prayed in the Holy Ghost for an hour. The devil said, you wasted your time, stuff you got to do. He said, just because you said that, I'm going to do two hours. You got to be mean. I said, you got to get rough. The devil tells you, well, just because you did that, you know. Sometimes when it comes to giving, I'll give a certain amount of money. The devil says, now that's stupid. You gave too much. I said, all right, just because you said that, I'm going to double it up and see what you're going to do about it. You don't threaten me. I don't have a spirit of fear. You ain't threatening me with lack. The devil say, what you going to do if that don't work? I say, what you going to do if it does work? Amen. I took the if out, though. I said, what you going to do when it works? In other words, he said, if it don't work, I said, what you going to do? 
How many of you like to turn things on the devil and say, devil, what you going to do when you see the results of the blessing of God and the harvest and the goodness of God? Come on, don't let him put you in a place of fear. Amen? amen. Can you say amen? amen? Persistence. Everybody say persistence. persistence. All right, let me try to finish this quote here because I see some of you are starting to lag a little bit. You just can't even make it through the whole service. So, I mean, how are you going to make it in the ministry if you can't make it through the whole service? Look at me, I sit and listen. I sit on the front row listening to Brother Kenneth Copeland preach for four hours one time. <laughs> I didn't even blink, I'm like. All right, let's finish this. Nothing in the world can take the place of what? Persistence. In other words, talent is way overrated. Being cute is way overrated. You can do the will of God faster ugly if you just refuse to quit. <laughs> Don't look at anybody right now. I said. <laughs> All right, let's finish this. Nothing in the world can take the place of what? Everybody say persistence. In other words, that's a spirit of faith, isn't it? It's a spirit of faith. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Everybody say, press on. Press on. Somebody say, well, what if somebody quits? Moving on. Or Robert said this way. He said, the dogs bark, but the train keeps on rolling. You know what that means? You know, train don't stop for all the dogs that bark. You say, well, people are barking. Yep, this train keep on rolling. Encourage you to get out the way because we're going forward. Amen. Well, what's the guy's name? Uh, he's got the book out called, If You're Going to Fall, Fall Forward. John Maxwell, failing forward. Actually, one of the great running backs in the NFL was known that he could gain three yards while he was falling. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Fight. Fight. Amen. Jimmy Carter, President of the United States years ago, he met with an admiral in the Navy. He was there in the Navy, and he'd, he'd gone up through the ranks pretty well. And uh, Rickover was the admiral's name. And Jimmy Carter met with him, and Rick Overs, known as, you know, uh, um, American hero, and he met with him, and he asked him, he said, uh, how did you do in your grades, you know, for the Naval Academy? He said, well, I did pretty good. He said, I was like in the top uh, 85%. I was up in the top of the class, higher than 85% of the class. 
He said, that's good. That's pretty good. He said, uh, what I want to know is did you do your best? He said he put his head down because he realized he didn't do his best. What would happen if you and I determined with the spirit of faith, we'd surrender to the Lord, come on, press forward and trust God to take your best gifts and your best qualities, amen, and use them in this generation. When people give you an invitation to quit, you say, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all, once more, I dedicate my whole self to thee. Amen. The Apostle Paul said, uh, I count not my life dear unto myself, but that I might finish my course. In other words, he said, I don't really count my life dear. I'm not trying to hold on to my life. I'm not really trying to make sure I survive. He said, that's not my goal. Surviving is not my goal finishing my course is my goal. Amen. If you study, you know, I, and our, the, 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 the salmon is called a fighting fish. They're fighters. And uh, salmon will go out and he'll travel 2,000 miles out into the ocean. Then he'll come back to the original stream that he was born in and he will fight upstream to get to where he was born. That salmon will get right up there and will carry eggs all the way up, fighting the rapids, going upstream, bears on either side of the stream. And they're fighting just to get upstream. Because when they get upstream, that's where they want to lay their eggs. And when they lay their eggs, their life is finished. It multiplies their life a million times if they can lay their eggs. So bears fighting on either side, eating the salmon. So I was watching the documentary and they said, really the bears love to eat the salmon, but they love more than the salmon is they love the eggs. That really the bears are not after just the salmon, they're after the eggs. And sometimes you're in a tremendous fight because the devil's not just after you, he's after the eggs you're carrying. Because if you ever finish your course and your destiny and you lay those eggs, your life will be multiplied a million times. That's the spirit of faith. There's going to be a fight. I said, there's going to be a fight. I said, there's going to be a fight. And I like what Norman Vincent Peale said. He said, the most difficult person I've ever had to deal with is myself. Thank you for your enthusiasm. He said, the most difficult person I've ever had to deal with is myself. He said, people are giving me a lot of trouble, but the most difficult person I've ever had to deal with is who? Myself. So you can say, I'm going to move. You know, if we're in the United States, you could say, I'm going to move. I'm tired of living in Louisiana. I'm going to move to Arizona. I'm going to move to Dallas. I'm going to move to California. The problem is, is you've got to take yourself with you. <laughs> and you'll find out you've got the same trouble wherever you go. So the biggest fight sometimes is to look in the mirror 
and talk to yourself and say, I'm tired of your attitude. <laughs> this is not really a very good shouting message. I might lose some of you. I won't see you tomorrow. Amen. In other words, the psalmist David, he learned how to deal with himself. Throughout the Psalms, he said, oh, my soul, I'm talking to myself. Did you know the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, he'll strengthen you and build you up and harden you against difficulty so you can face that situation and refuse to back up because of the blood of Jesus, because of your faith in the Word of God. A story I heard years ago about some guys, American soldiers, were in um, Afghanistan. And over the radio signal, because I, I was actually preaching in California where they have the Marine base there. So I had two rows of Marines that were there in the service. And some of them, you know, had gone on in advancement in special forces. And so, so uh, I was talking about, uh, they said they heard over the radio some of the Afghan uh, fighters, you know, the rebels, whoever it's ISIS or something like that. And they heard them say this. They said, don't, when you fight the Americans, do not attack the Marines. They said, if you're going to attack someone, you attack what they call uh, the, uh, the Army Reserves. What do they call that in America? The Army Reserves, the... Uh, anyway, the, the Reserves, you know, they're just kind of like the weekend warriors. A lot of them signed up to see the world. They just wasn't planning on seeing Afghanistan. <laughs> signed up to get a good education. Then they end up in a fight. So the, so the ISIS, they said, if you're going to attack somebody, don't attack the Marines, attack the reserves. Because if you attack them, they will hunker down and some of them will run. But if you attack the Marines, they will chase you down and kill you because they didn't join to see the world. They joined to fight. So you'll find out what you're made out of when the devil slaps you, when he hits you. And you're like, I didn't join up for this. I was wanting to see Australia. I, I was wanting to go see Africa. But if you're we're born to fight, the fight of faith. Then when the devil slaps you, you say, you slap me, I'll hunt you down and kill you. You know what that means? That when John the Baptist, they cut his head off, Jesus said, you did that? I'm going to tear you up. And he went out and began to heal the sick. What's he doing? In other words, this will work some revenge on the inside of you with a spirit of faith. Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. It'll make you grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Let's try that again. I said grab a corn. Y'all know what a corn stalk is? You know, you got a stalk of corn, the leaf, it's real fragile. Grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Some of y'all to get some spit ready right now, just tell y'all. 
You know what that means? That means when the devil tells you you cannot afford to do the will of God or you don't have what it takes to do the will of God, you say, I have a spirit of faith and I'm going to grab a corn stalk, swing out right over hell and spit right in your eye. Because what he meant for evil, God will turn that thing around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.